Uh, welcome to the Major Mondays webinar series on discovery devices in New Jersey. Uh, this is a live question and answer session, so feel free to submit your questions and we'll get to them at the end. Uh, and I know I said Major Mondays and it's a Tuesday, but you know we work around the holidays, so. <clears throat> Let's dive right in here. When does discovery begin in New Jersey? Well, so technically in personal injury cases, it's going to begin with the service of the complaint. We'll get into this in a moment. Uh, service of process in New Jersey has a couple of components to it. Uh, we have the summons, the complaint, the case information statement, and the track assignment notice. We'll talk about tracks in a moment as well. Uh, the plaintiff receives the track assignment notice within 10 days after filing the complaint. Uh, with e-filing, typically it turns out to be about a day turnaround. Uh, and they must serve process within 15 days of issuance of that uh, track assignment notice. So a word about track assignments. This is uh, something that's a little unique to New Jersey, so uh, it's worth discussing. So uh, the case information statement uh, determines the discovery track, so to speak, uh, and that's the number of days of discovery allotted to that particular case type. Uh, this is in rule four colon five A. There are four different case tracks. Uh, track one is 150 days. Uh, I'm not gonna go through all the different types, but they're listed there, uh, tenancy, real property, et cetera. Track two, 300 days. That is the most common one. That's where most cases are gonna live. Uh, that's your motor vehicle accidents, your personal injury cases. Uh, track three, 450 days, civil rights, assault and battery, malpractice, et cetera. Uh, track four, also 450 days, um, or active case management by an individual judge. So judges assigned to the case to manage the discovery. Uh, and that's for complex cases, multi-county litigation, uh, things of that nature. So uh, rule four colon 10, pretrial discovery. This is a little bit of a spoiler alert for the rest of the presentation. This lists out what some of our permissible devices are. Um, these are not limited in frequency and can kind of be in any order. Um, practically, just as a litigation tactic, you might wanna have some written discovery done before you're gonna begin depositions, but um, really you're not limited by the rules to go in a certain sequence. So uh, we have depositions upon oral examination. Those are your typical depositions as you understand them, uh, or written questions, uh, written interrogatories, uh, production of documents slash things, uh, permission to enter upon land or other property for inspection, uh, physical and mental exams, and one of my personal favorites, requests for admissions. Um, this rule also covers privilege, expert disclosure, protective orders, it describes what to do in those various scenarios, uh, even goes a little bit into the threshold you'd have to satisfy to get past privilege. So uh, yeah, rule four colon 10 lays it out pretty well. So I mentioned earlier, back on the first slide, that technically discovery begins in personal injury cases with service of the complaint. Uh, that's because of this lovely um, New Jersey practice uh, quirk uh, called uniform interrogatories. This is from rule four colon 17-1B. Uh, and these are uniform interrogatories for personal injury cases other than wrongful death. Uh, and that includes pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, motor vehicle accidents, uh, slip and trip and fall and uh, other fall downs, um, automobile property damage, med mal, products liability. Uh, these all fall under the uniform personal injury interrogatories. Uh, it, you are limited to the form A, B, and C inter interrogatories listed in appendix two. Uh, and 10 supplemental questions without subparts. So no A, B, C, and D, but you do get to ask your own supplemental questions, only 10. 
this requirement is for both the plaintiffs and defendants. Uh, and the different types of questions you're going to get for the uh, various interrogatory forms depend on the accident type. So to continue on the uniform interrogatories, uh, by and large, they're going to ask your standard questions, the things you would be asking uh, if you were going to draft your own interrogatories. Uh, describe in detail when and where the accident happened, what were the conditions then and there prevailing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, getting, essentially getting the account of the accident, uh, the injuries following, the treatment, uh, things of that nature. Um, these are deemed automatically served, so you don't technically need a demand. Uh, as a practice point, um, you know, I would, we like to put it in the complaint if we're filing a subrogated action, uh, just as a matter of good housekeeping, the demand is in there, the defendant knows this is something that they should respond to, but they're technically obligated to respond to it uh, regardless, thanks to the court rules. Uh, the defendant is deemed served with a complaint and answers are due within 60 days of service of the defendant's answer to the complaint. Uh, the plaintiff is deemed served with the defendant's answer, so service of the defendant's answer is what triggers both timelines, uh, and the plaintiff has to provide answers within 30 days. Um, you can file a motion to strike various interrogatories in response to the demand uh, or a motion to compel responses. Uh, and you do have to amend your interrogatory responses, responses if new information becomes known. Uh, this has to be done at least 20 days before the discovery end date. Uh, and remember from the outset of the case, we're going to know the discovery end date thanks to the track assignment. So I mentioned earlier, one of my favorites, requests for admissions, rule four colon 22, uh, underutilized in both New York and New Jersey. In New York, uh, we call it a notice to admit. Um, but you can serve upon any party a written request for admission of the truth of any matter is how the statute is worded. Uh, this actually can be used to authenticate documents for uh, trial purposes. Uh, a matter is deemed admitted unless the answer or objection is given in writing within 30 days. Um, the defendant, however, is not required to answer until at least 45 days have elapsed since service of process. Remember, that's the summons, the complaint, the track assignment notice, and the case information statement. Um, and an admission is considered conclusively established for trial in only this particular act action. Now, why this is such a very useful tool is you can essentially get admissions on record deemed fact by having a delinquent adversary, uh, somebody who doesn't respond timely or who doesn't take them seriously, uh, a lot of times you'll get form denials, just no, 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 no to every single response. And so uh, you can even state things in the, in the alternative. Uh, on such and such date, an accident happened. On such and such date, an accident did not happen. Writes no for both of them, that's a serious credibility determination to use uh, when you get to the deposition stage of the plaintiff or, or defendant. Technically, those answers are on their, are on their behalf. Uh, and a sloppy adversary really sort of um, gives you a leg up when it comes time to start doing some cross-examination. So notice to produce, this is your standard document demand, rule four colon 18. Uh, the response is due within 35 days. Again, the defendant has a little longer uh, from service of process. They get at least 50 days. Um, not just documents, the rule also permits inspection of items or entry upon land to inspect, survey, or photograph. So uh, Oftentimes, a demand to inspect an accident location, uh, say somebody slipped on a ramp at the uh, defendant's property, uh, that will be included in the notice to produce. Um, 
electronically stored information is available uh, to be demanded in a notice to produce. Uh, why does this matter? You can actually request metadata as part of your notice to produce. Uh, it is best to confer with your adversary how you want this to be handled because metadata can get a little tricky. Uh, you're getting into the nitty gritty of the computer code on when things were opened, when things were closed, who saw them, who didn't see them. Um, it's really a very, very fact intensive and specific form of discovery. Uh, and it's best to confer with your adversary how you wanna handle that so that you don't get blindsided by your own craftiness, so to speak. Uh, rule four colon 18-2, copies of documents referred to in the pleading uh, that are not attached to the pleading or recited verbatim therein. Uh, these have to be produced within five days of a written demand. So if the plaintiff uh, states in their complaint that they're relying upon a certain document, um, the defendant can actually demand that that document be produced because it was referred to in the pleading. Uh, and that has to be turned over within five days instead of this 35. Physical and mental exams, rule four colon 19. <clears throat> So for personal injury claims, uh, or when a mental or physical condition uh, of a party is in controversy, are going to be the situations where you use these. Uh, these are upon notice stating when, uh, where, and by whom the examination will be conducted, the nature of the exam, and any proposed tests. Uh, for anyone speaking in workers' comp parlance, this is essentially your civil equivalent of an IME. Um, 45 days notice is required to do these mental or physical exams. Uh, a motion for a protective order has to be returnable in that period, meaning a decision is rendered on it in that period, uh, if you're going to try to avoid having to appear for the examination. Um, <clears throat> the court can compel attendance, uh, dismiss a pleading for failure to comply, or uh, even reschedule uh, the examination date. Um, but re-examination needs consent or a court order. You don't get continuous bites at the apple on this discovery device. Depositions upon oral examination. So uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, this is just your standard deposition as you know it. Uh, sworn oral testimony is the content. Um, a notice of deposition, this is if you're serving it upon a party, uh, at least 10 days in advance in writing to every other party to the case. This is not just the uh, representative for the party you intend on deposing. Everyone receives notice of it. And as a practical matter, uh, a competent attorney is going to appear at a deposition, even if it's not their client being deposed. Um, it is best to confer with your adversary to schedule these. Yes, in theory, you could just issue notices of deposition and leave them to object to them or uh, ask for an adjournment. But um, honestly, it's just better to be amicable about, amicable about the thing, uh, find out a date that the plaintiff or defendant is available, uh, and schedule it mutually. Uh, a lot of times you can get depositions of multiple parties done in one day. So it's also more economical to just confer with your adversary on this. Um, the party that's going to demand the notice of deposition or serve the notice of deposition rather is the one that secures the court reporter for it. Um, rule 4 colon 14 seven. So this is a subpoena for taking a deposition of a non-party witness. So we have the notice of deposition, the 10 days notice for uh, a party to the case. Uh, we do have non-party witness subpoenas or a non-compliant party, a party to the case that is not responding uh, to the notice of deposition. Uh, this is also on 10 days notice, but it has to be personally served on the party, almost as if it were service of process. 
Um, depositions, uh, this kind of goes without saying, but it's a, it's a make or break moment for many cases. Uh, this is really your first and your best opportunity to trip someone up on credibility, uh, inconsistencies in their discovery responses, um, as mentioned earlier, possibly due to uh, sloppy and lackadaisical attorney. Uh, so these are really where you can uh, move the case forward or shut it down. Depositions upon written questions, um, very infrequently used in my experience, but uh, this is upon a notice served on all parties, just like the deposition upon uh, oral examination. Uh, the notice has to describe the name and address of the person or general description sufficient to identify that person, if not known. Uh, when would you not know the person you're trying to get to answer the deposition? Uh, when they're a member of, of a business and the business is uh, involved somehow in the litigation, but you don't know precisely what officer or employee you need to testify, but you want somebody in charge of the books or in charge of the accounting. So you have to describe that person sufficiently. Um, you must identify uh, an officer before whom the deposition is to be taken. Uh, and this officer is gonna take the responses and prepare the record. Uh, cross questions are permitted within 30 days, redirect within 10 days of those um, cross questions, recross within 10 days of the redirect questions. Uh, and every single one of these, as with all the other deposition notices, uh, must be served on all parties. So I just wanted to talk about um, something that's becoming increasingly prevalent across the country, not just New York and New Jersey, uh, subpoenas and the Uniform Interstate uh, Depositions and Discovery Act. Uh, so records from a non-party can be obtained via subpoena duces tecum. Uh, this is rule one colon nine dash two. We just talked about subpoenaing uh, somebody's testimony. This is a subpoena for records uh, and only records. Uh, these can be served via mail, but they're only enforceable upon receipt of uh, signed acknowledgement and waiver of personal service. Uh, so you can make the demand via mail, but if you're going to try and enforce it, if someone doesn't respond or provides incomplete responses, you cannot do that unless you get the signed acknowledgement and waiver of personal service, or if you just stick to the personal service in the first place. Uh, so the Uniform Interstate Depositions and Discovery Act. This is a um, this is a pretty interesting tool to facilitate uh, discovery across state lines. Uh, this has been adopted by a majority of the states. Uh, it provides a standardized means for out-of-state depositions and discovery. Um, so why would you need this? Well, subpoenas from a state court typically have to be domesticated in a foreign state. Uh, a New Jersey Supreme Court does not have the power to compel a Pennsylvania resident to appear in that New Jersey Supreme Court. Um, but uh, you can, well, at least not via subpoena, an officer of the court can't compel someone's attendance. Um, but what the Uniform Interstate Depositions and Discovery Act does is it repeals laws in the state that still require a commission or letters rogatory from a trial court. These are the documents you would have to get in order to compel that person's attendance. Uh, essentially, Pennsylvania is going to require them to appear in New Jersey instead of New Jersey requiring them to appear in New Jersey. Um, UIDA gets rid of that, and it's uh, actually a very, very useful tool as a result. Uh, a subpoena request does not constitute a court appearance, so that's why, um, that's why this is, facilitates the discovery uh, so much better. Uh, and therefore, there's no admission pro hoc vice needed. Uh, you don't need to get admitted just for the purposes of that case in a different state. Uh, and no local counsel needed. Um, but you still need a local license to appear for an application to enforce, quash, modify, or obtain a protective order. 
that only makes sense. If you're going to uh, compel a, in a Pennsylvania court, uh, a pen, uh, attendance due to a subpoena issued under the Uniform Interstate Depositions and Discovery Act, uh, you're gonna need to be licensed in Pennsylvania to do that, so. Discovery motions. Uh, this is rule four colon 23. Uh, failure to comply can result in the other party moving for an order compelling discovery or dismissing slash suppressing a pleading without prejudice. Uh, these have to be returnable before the discovery end date. So again, an answer on the motion has to be before the discovery end date. Um, one of my absolute favorite motions in all of New Jersey civil practice, uh, rule four colon 23 dash five failure to make discovery. If you're going to file um, that particular motion, uh, you need to certify that you are not delinquent in providing discovery responses. But again, if you're a diligent and competent attorney, you will be on top of all these things and should be in the right, so to speak, to file one of these motions. Uh, a dismissal is gonna be without prejudice initially. You can uh, literally get a pleading kicked out of court. Um, but you can move for dismissal with prejudice 60 days from the date of the order uh, dismissing it without prejudice. So uh, it's a pretty powerful tool for somebody that, again, just doesn't respond to discovery or provides incomplete responses. So as always, um, we like to add a little bit of workers' comp flavoring in here. Uh, not as relevant as in uh, previous webinars, but uh, there is some, some overlap here. So how can civil action discovery potentially be useful in a workers' comp claim? Uh, you're looking for consistency across the third-party action and the workers' comp claim. And when we say um, consistency, you're talking about deposition transcripts versus depositions in the workers' compensation claim, records of treatment. Those records of treatment might have prior accidents that are not disclosed in the comp claim. Uh, you want to make sure that everything sort of syncs up as it pertains to that particular accident. Now, discovery is not usually filed with the court, but uh, it's frequently attached to motions, particularly discovery-oriented motions. Uh, and in that case, it's gonna be viewable via public access to the e-court's case jacket, uh, and that's your chance to pop in and sort of make sure everything syncs up across both claims. Um, and coordination with defense counsel and uh, other means of obtaining third-party action discovery can really help in uh, bolstering your defenses in the workers' compensation claim. So that does it for uh, discovery devices in New Jersey. Let's see if we have any questions before we proceed. And I think we're good on questions. So uh, I hope you'll join us next month for discovery uh, devices in New York. That's on November 9th. We're back to a Monday at that point. Uh, again, sorry for the technical difficulties and thank you for joining.